0: Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 27th of May, 2021 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Who among us has not had a time when we're trying to reinvent ourselves, when we step, slip, or leap sideways into a new life, a new way of seeing things? As we skip from patches of shade to sheltered overhangs this week, we'll be listening to a story from Yu Yu about a time when she had a change in her life. After Yu Yu, we'll be listening to a story from Austin reflecting on changes he felt. Before we get to today's stories, though, huge thanks go out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We appreciate that you stick with us even when things may seem a little strained. Take care of yourselves and one another. Hearty thanks goes out too to our overseas listeners. This week, particularly to listeners in Karachi in Pakistan, Kampala in Uganda, and Toronto in Canada. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. We do have another upcoming show. The next one will be on August the 5th, and the theme will be Bustin' Out. There will be a pitch workshop coming up, and it will be posted on Meetup, so keep your ear to the ground if you're looking to pitch. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now, here is Yu Yu.
1: I don't have human children. Dasher the cat is my daughter. She lived with me for nine months. My background was in business. I spent a large chunk of my life in schools and corporate. I used to work 16 to 20 hours a day, making millions of dollars for the company. But I never liked my job. No matter how much money I made for the company, it has no impact to anybody's life. I felt empty, and I was just wasting my life away. So finally one day, I decided to quit the corporate world. I wanted to search for something that I really enjoy doing, something that makes a difference to other people's life, and that would make my life meaningful. During the time of exploration, I decided to adopt a cat. I searched online among tons of rescued cats waiting for adoption. This one particular cat caught my attention. She's a very common street cat with a clipped ear. She's a tabby with a few white patches on the face and chest. It was just one photo. I don't know why, I felt some connection with her, so I decided to pick her. Her name is Dasher. Dasher and I was love at first sight. The first night I took Dasher home, she slept with me by my pillow. We bonded so well as if we had known each other before. I asked her jokingly, Dasher, have we met each other before in our past lives? However, since Dasher came, she never ate anything, no matter what I tried to feed her. So a few days later, I had to take her to the vet. The diagnosis came. Kidney failure. Late stage. No cure. I literally collapsed. Dasher was in her cat carrier. The vet pushed it to me over the cold metal desk. Monsieur, you must realize there is no cure for kidney failure. This cat is in a very bad state. I suggest you put it down. There was no expression in his face. His mustache was the only thing moving. His voice was chilling. I was trembling. Oh, what? But... Is there nothing I can do? Is there any medicine? It's not worth it, Miss Yu. It is just a street cat anyway. I felt my heart sinking, tears rolling down on my cheeks. What do you mean, just a street cat? I wanted to scream. Does that mean that her life is less valuable than a pure-breed cat somebody paid a lot of money for? I held my outrage, choked back my tears, took Dasher home. I called the organization where I adopted Dasher for advice. Oh, we're so sorry, the lady sounded concerned. We didn't know it was a sick cat. If you want, you can take it back to us. We're going to swap a new cat for you. What? A new cat? Did I just buy a TV, it's 40, I'm going to take it to the shop and swap a new one? No, I told the lady. I am keeping her. I picked Dasher among all those cats waiting to be adopted. She came to my life for a reason. I changed vet clinic for Dasher, and they were much happier helping her. I learned how to give her daily injection and medicine, I tried everything to treat her, and she quickly became much better. At times, even the vet says she looks so well that nobody can believe she's sick. I gave her all my love. We had a very deep connection. Dasher understands everything I say. She sleeps with me in my arms every night. And when I cry, she would come to lick up my tears. Dasher lived happily with me for nine months. It is the equivalence of five human years, which is significant. Finally, Dasha's body gave up, and she passed away. A part of my life was gone. I was experiencing huge pain and sorrow. For two weeks, I did nothing but lying in the couch crying. And after that, I started to look for an answer. I wanted to understand why did Dasher come to my life? Why so short? Why did we have such a deep connection? I started seeking out healers, psychics, animal communicators, One of the healers I met was Miss Chan. She told me Dasher had been my daughter for many lifetimes, but every each time she died before me. This lifetime, she came to remind me of my life purpose. But what is my life purpose? I asked. You have been a white witch for many lifetimes. In this lifetime, you should do the same. You must become a healer to help other people and animals. Miss Chan went on to tell me that I should also heal Dasher at the soul level so that we don't have to repeat the same story again and again. Huh? But how? She's already gone. I had no idea what she was saying. You know the magic. It's very simple. You can do it with just water. Go read some books. Go learn it. Books like Harry Potter? I was confused and even a little bit scared. I went back home, continued seeking for other healers. I wanted more information from different resources. And most importantly, I wanted a cure for my pain of losing Dasher. Suddenly one day, I received a newsletter from one of the healers I had met. She was teaching a workshop called Water Healing. Bingo, water. I remembered what Miss Chan told me about water. This must be a sign. So I decided to go to this water healing workshop. At that time, I knew nothing about healing energies or chakras I was sitting in the workshop crying most of the time I wish I had known this stuff much earlier I could have saved my cat no my teacher shook her head you wouldn't your cat came to your life to bring you on the right path if she hadn't passed away you wouldn't be sitting here today. That was how I started my spiritual journey. Today, I am a healer, an animal communicator, and a life coach. I found my life purpose. And for that, I am forever grateful to Dasher.
2: Thank you.
0: We are glad that the path you has chosen has brought her joy. For those of you wanting to give storytelling a try, we'll be hosting live workshops again, fingers crossed. So keep an eye out for them coming up. You can find them on Meetup. For links to the Meetup and all information about Hong Kong Stories, you can also go to the website hongkongstories.com. For our next story, we re listen to one from Austin where he tells of how he started to feel a bit strange one day. Here is Austin.
2: One morning, when I woke from an evening of unsettling dreams, I found myself in bed, transformed into an oversized insect. Now, just bear with me. I didn't... I didn't realize what was happening at first. I looked at the clock. My vision was blurry. It was pixelated, and I thought it was just waking up. But then when I reached out to get the clock to look at it more carefully, I found that my whole left side, there were three separate limbs, armored, that were flailing around in the air, thrashing about in the sheets. And I wanted to cry out for some kind of help, but I couldn't make any noise. It was just the sound of some lightly clicking mandibles, which I assumed were mine. And it took some time to really process this and to come to grips with the fact that I had turned into an ant, you know? And the worst part of it was that I, I thought I was late for work. I was pretty sure. <laughs> and I worked for uh, VLVLCLTD, ltd which you probably know is very large, uh, very local, conglomerate, uh, limited, and there was a, by this time, there would be a long snaking queue in the office lobby, and it would just be going back and forth and back and forth, and then when you get up to our floor, there would just be yet another queue snaking back and forth and back and forth, because in the corner there was a small metallic card reader, which all the employees had to file next to and check in and the thing about this, if you checked in late, you would get an asterisk on your employee log at the end of the month. If you had too many asterisks, you would get a uh, a, uh, a warning letter from HR. If you got too many warning letters, well, now your annual bonus was in jeopardy. And it just seemed so unfair that I had to be worried about exoskeleton issues, and voice loss, and asterisks. It was it was just not right. It seemed not right. So, But that was the kind of reality that I was facing. At that moment, I had, to, I had to deal with it. So I tried to avoid everyone and just get right to the MTR as quickly as possible, went down, and I was actually kind of surprised because it didn't cause any kind of disturbance. People were just perfectly in communion with their phones and no one looked up and uh, so that gave me a little bit of time to, to, to assess the situation and I suppose that I should have probably known that this was going to happen because there had been a whole series of traumas that had been I had been forced to adjust to ever since I arrived there and at that office I right away the first time I set foot in it, I knew something was up because of the space something about the rhythm You know, we were, uh, our team, there were dozens and dozens of teams, and we were organized into these little departmental pods, and the departmental pods were arranged into these kind of functional clusters, and those functional clusters spread out into all these different levels across the building, and it really just felt like, I can't put it in any other way than a, a seething nest of cubicle. And there was paperwork everywhere, piled into towers. It was compacted against the walls, leaving only these small void spaces and channels for the employees to scurry through on the way from one area to another. So that morning, I made it okay, you know, without much incident to my desk. And uh, it wasn't that my colleagues didn't notice or that they didn't care. Well, actually, I don't think they cared. They didn't care because they were so busy that they had no time to really care and that was actually part of the organizational style it was a vast multi-tiered hierarchy of non-communication and they just you just went in there and everyone was just so busy trying to pull their little dead grasshopper leg or their crumb of pineapple bun and just start hauling as fast as possible with everybody Else, that was the nature of a superorganism that we were part of. And um, I had a colleague there, a very well-mannered, nice guy. He was colleague lamb, and he was trying to help me because he understood the colony, and he told me, well, there are workers, and there are soldiers, and there are drones. And, if, of course, there is a there is a queen. Every colony has a queen, and that was Queen Ava, and she was the source of all departmental instruction and uh, authority. And um, my colleagues, they never made the mistake of asking about the big picture. What is the big picture? What is the big picture? Though I I made that mistake often. And uh, colleague Lam, he let me know in no uncertain terms uh, about this. He said, there is no big picture. There is only Ava. And (laughs) so... I, I said to him, he, he was trying to let me understand that there was actually no need to understand. He said the, the only thing that was critical was a kind of highly motivated, frantic, continuous level of activity. Just activity, activity. And the important part of that activity was that you should or you must anticipate Ava's uh, wishes, Queen Ava's wishes, before... She expresses them. And I thought, how are you supposed to manage that? And, and that left Lamb even kind of stumped. And he said, mm, For you, maybe not so easy, <laughs> mm, but uh, you can observe your colleagues. He said, OK. So that afternoon, there was a big project wide meeting, and Queen Eva came in. A hush fell over the conference room, and then uh, colleague Lamb he was whispering to me from behind his document, and he said, uh, "Look at him." And he was kind of stabbing the air, and it was it was uh, um, it was staff member Isaac, and he was sitting about two seats away from Queen Ava. And I said, "Like so?" He said, "He is nodding before Ava has said anything." But yeah, and he was—he was kind of nodding thoughtfully, respectfully, as if he were, you know, noting some particularly well-made point, even savoring it. And uh, and I thought, well, he's—you know—he's clearly practicing. You know, he's getting his ten thousand hours. And and I, I kind of laughed, but but uh, Lamb was—he no, was serious. He was not ridiculing Isaac. He was telling me, showing me, how to be Isaac. And the meeting was drawing to a close, and in her customary way, uh, Queen Ava said, any other comments? And I thought, well, maybe I have a... I might raise a point here, but... But colleague Lamb was shaking his head in slow motion in this invisible way that only I could see. So <laughs> like... Right, okay. So that was, uh, you know, those were the early days. But since then, I had done everything in my power and really tried to fully embrace uh, superorganismism. And I knew my primary duties. I had to push and I had to chase. You have to push those people to execute, and you had to chase these people to deliver. And then that's how things keep moving in this line. Uh, I could use all the office lingo like, uh, not possible. And uh, uh, I, I'm sorry, that's not my scope. And, uh, and, of, and of course, for Queen Ava, it, it was uh, already done, already. Uh, and that's why at this point, it was so uh, infuriating and so, so desperate that, uh, why me? Why had I now turned into an ant on the outside also. It just seemed too much. But I did remember that there was, I did hear of this other story of this guy who had gone through, he had suffered some kind of similar metamorphosis. And his way of handling it was he crawled under a couch and then uh, eventually he died of starvation. And (laughs) I did consider this option briefly. I did think about it. And I thought, there is no chance that that is going to fly in Hong Kong. Can you imagine telling HR that I'm not feeling very comfortable with my body right now, so I'm just going to stay under the couch for a while? There's no way that they are going to even entertain that for one second. And who is going to take over my task? Who is going to take over the pushing? Who is going to take over the chasing and the nodding? It's not that easy. But still, I wanted somebody to talk to, and I thought maybe... Maybe Lamb, would he understand? And I wanted to tell somebody that it was really very disturbing for me to no longer recognize faces and that it was painful and distracting to just have, be picking up on chemical trails of food and money left all over the office by my coworkers and I, I, I couldn't swipe my phone properly anymore. <laughs> and he looked at me. You know, he was sympathetic, but he didn't know what to say. Yet, I did hear a voice that said, why do you complain? You should consider yourself very fortunate. You have more arms and more legs than anybody else. <laughs> so, of course, you should do your work faster than anybody else. That is only fair. And I thought it was lamb, but no, it was unmistakably, the voice of Queen Ava. And unmistakably, I realized it was coming from inside my head. And Lamb looked over. He wanted to reassure. He saw the concern. He put his hand on my thorax and said, Hey, congratulations, you got it. And I wanted to respond, but no Words could come out, only the clicking and clacking of my shiny new mandibles. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.